Welcome to the Purpose and Principles Podcast. My name is Max Brown, and my guest today is Mackenzie Bauer. She's the co-founder and CMO of Thread Wallets, and her and her husband, Colby, founded Thread Wallets, and then through their venture, they found that an irreplaceable sense of freedom and happiness to allow their vision to unfold. And she writes, I love coming up with creative ways to market a product, an idea, and I love brainstorming ways to build long-lasting brands. And she believes in the power of surrounding yourself with smart and talented people who are dedicated to creating and building and um, loves good food, cooking, working out, traveling, and of course, and spending time with her beautiful daughters. And uh, on LinkedIn, you've been very reflective about that, Mackenzie. And so I thought, wow, what a great, uh, fun business you're up to but also just very candid in the way you talk about your work and your reality. So thank you for joining me on the Purpose and Principles podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's super fun. Ed, could you just tell us a little bit about the business and uh, what you're currently doing? And then maybe we can get into, you know, how did it all begin and, and what you're doing. But just tell us about Thread Wallets and why this business. Yeah, absolutely. Um so my husband and I started dating in 2014 and simultaneously, right when we started dating, we started kind of working on some projects together. He had had come up with this idea for a minimalist wallet. And the backstory of that is that he had lost his wallet while he was out body surfing in Hawaii. And when he went to purchase a new wallet, um, all he could find was just boring bulky bifolds online and he was like I'm a college student all I carry is my student ID my driver's license and my credit card like I don't need a lot so we ended up just using a rubber band and the rubber band served its purpose but he um you know wanted something a little bit more expressive or cool he'd noticed a lot of cool brands like stamp socks cool candy headphones um, Ness headwear, brands that had taken a simple product and brought a lot of personality and life to it. So he thought, oh yeah, I might as well try to do this with the wallet. They, um, because he studied business, he had spent a lot of time on Kickstarter researching products that did really well and performed well. And he noticed that minimalist wallets did really well on Kickstarter, but it was kind of the same thing that he noticed with like the big bifolds. He saw that they didn't have a lot of style. They were just black elastic, brown leather. So he had this idea for a minimalist wallet. So um, back to us dating, we started dating in um, end of January, 2014, beginning of February. And right around that same time, we started sewing the first prototypes together in my childhood bedroom and um, kind of just working on the idea of what it could become or what it was, um, you know, what it could be as a brand or as just even a product back then. We were kind of just making it for ourselves, but it slowly gained traction. We got it into a few local retail locations and um, started spreading the word on social media. And so by the time the beginning of 2015 rolled around, we were like, let's, let's try to make this like a viable business. Let's like really push this. So we had just been married um, for about five months. We got married really quickly after dating. Um, and we pushed it really hard for those six months and saw a good amount of success. We raised $35,000 on our own Kickstarter and then launched a website that was um, performing well for not running ads or anything to it. It was just, you know, organic traffic. So we thought we'd just run with it. So that's kind of a little bit about our brand. We've been in business since um, 
officially since January of 2015. So he's just been growing and building and plugging along ever since then. Well, and now you work in a busy office with several employees. How many employees do you have at the office? Um, I think there's about 18 that are in the office. And then we have a kiosk that is up at a mall in Salt Lake that we have a few employees up there. So there's around 20 of us and it depends on the day, but people are kind of in and out with this whole coronavirus thing. Right. We're probably, we probably should limit the number of people, but we just have too much fun together. That's awesome. <laughs> and where are your products produced? Um, we produce our products over in China right now, uh -huh. and we are currently in the process of moving some of the production over to Vietnam, but right okay. now it's in China. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, you had this, this incredible idea. You've now expanded. You've hired a lot of people. Did you ever see this happening when you first uh, were dating and you thought, hey, I got this uh, oh. idea for a wallet? You know, that's a really good question and something that we reflect on a lot because I, like, want to say that I this was my dream and my vision but I think honestly like I had nothing to compare it to when we were first starting it was just kind of like okay let's just get through today and then let's get through the week like it was just so day by day and I remember one time sitting in um, our apartment when we first were kind of trying to decide whether this could work or not and crunching numbers like okay if we sold 10 wallets a day we could make like fifty to 60000 a year. Like that's enough for us to live off of, just the two of us. Like we don't have any employees. Like that's a decent amount of money. So it's kind of like, okay, like let's, like let's run with that. And then we got six months into it and we were selling 15 to 20 wallets a day. And then, you know, and it was like, oh, okay, this could become something different. So our vision has evolved over time. I think, you know, when you sit down and you talk about entrepreneurship, like, oh, I want to start my own thing. Of course, the end all goal is to create something big and fun where you have a community of people that um, are invested in your brand and a fun team. Like that's, I think that's what you would say your business, but at the beginning, it really was just like, let's get through today. Let's, you know, we were doing the production, we were doing the fulfillment, we were doing all of the stuff. So it was kind of survival mode at the beginning. Yes. Well, and now you're one of Utah Valley's fastest growing companies. You've been listed as the 40 under 40. I mean, just lots of awards for the business you're running. And Thank you. it's pretty, pretty awesome. Yet you're very candid about the fact that it wasn't always easy. In fact, it's not easy today. You're, you took no. a picture, you know, on LinkedIn, your baby, your, your daughter's laying next to you in bed. You're working in bed and you're saying, I'm working some long hours here, but I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely a journey and a process. We um, are really grateful to be where we are. We've had um, a lot of, you know, wins along the way. We've had some losses and we're just grateful that we're here this past year, especially has been really crazy. So we're grateful that we have a good team um, of talented individuals who've been able to support us through this year. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. But yeah, it is a lot of work. There's a lot of ups and downs there our long, long days and late nights, but it makes it all worth it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the ups and downs. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs are a little bit nervous about starting their own business or they think, gosh, I would try that, but it's so risky. Tell me, tell me, were there ever times when you thought, oh my word, maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe we should just go get, you know, quote unquote, a real job somewhere. Um, you know, that is a really, really good question. Um, so a little background, both my husband and 
my father, both our fathers are um, financial planners. Mm -hmm. So we got married and both of our dads um, preached the like kind of A plus B equals C mentality. They were get a job um, or go to school, get a job, and then you grind it out. Like your family stays here, your wife stays home with the kids. It's kind of very traditional. And um, that wasn't, we did decided very early on that that's not what we wanted for ourselves. So um, it, there never really was a like point in our story where we were like, oh, this is not right for us or we should pivot or like maybe this isn't going to work because it was kind of, we started it. It was such a part of our story from the get go that we didn't know any different. We didn't know what it was like to have something quote unquote traditional or what it was like to have health insurance and benefits and, uh, you know, stable income. But, um, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, it's too risky or I want to start my own thing, but, you know, I've got a really good job and a stable income. And I just think that this whole year, 2020, has been a really big lesson in pivoting and understand that like nothing really is permanent in life. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's risk in entrepreneurship, but there's risk in a stable job. Like I've had plenty of friends who had great careers and were establishing themselves in certain industries that have been laid off this year. And that's really hard. And I just don't think that there's any, you know, I don't think there are many industries where there isn't some sort of risk involved with getting into what you're doing. So um, we've just kind of gone in with that mindset um, that, what we're doing is risky, but we're willing to take that risk because of the freedom that we have of um, controlling our own destiny. Kind of we're, mm-hmm. we're in control of what our day to day looks like, what our life looks like. So that's been really fun, but yeah, there have been ups and downs. I mean, I think one of the biggest downs and one of the biggest ups is um, for us learning how to navigate running a business as spouses and co-founders. Like there, there have been, plenty disagreements or arguments along the way of you know the vision or what we should be doing in fact we got in a little argument last night about certain things and um that can be tricky sometimes but again it's always known and I wouldn't have it any other way because at the end of the day our goals are the same our vision is the same like we're trying to provide for our family and provide for our employees families and create good jobs stable jobs for our employees so um yeah there's the the downs don't always feel like downs because we just love what we do so much. Like even the downs we're learning and we're growing and so it's hard to sometimes even feel like they're really big downs, quote unquote. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to hear that, you know, you've had to ramp up a lot of different processes and a lot of different learning of how to run a business, how to manage people, how to, how to do yeah. everything around a business, anything that you would say, wow, this would have helped if I would have known this earlier. Um, because you've been doing this now quite successfully for a few years. Like you said, it's really escalated over the last year. What would you say? Wow. That would have helped if I would have known that really early on. Yeah. Um, something that I tell a lot of people when they're starting out businesses or they come asking a very similar question like what should I do differently it's hire out what you don't want to be the best at so that you can focus on the things that you do want to be the best at I think a lot of people get scared like of letting go of certain things they want to be in control and then I also think that people feel that hiring out something is going to cost more than what it brings them in and that might be the case and you might have to learn and pivot from that but for the most part like hiring out an accountant or hiring out your fulfillment or your production, things like that 
are things that are going to bring you more value in the end because you're not going to be spending your time doing something that isn't what you're really efficient or productive or excelling at personally. Like um, we tried to do the accounting ourselves the first couple of years and that caused us a lot more pain in the long run and um, cost us a lot more money in the long run because we weren't accounting for things correctly and tracking things correctly, like income and um, what we were spending. And so we ended up owing more than what we thought we had. Like there were just certain things that we could have avoided had we just hired out things early on. So I think that um, for people starting, like make a list of the things that you don't want to do and make a list of things that you do want to do and then um, try to cross things off that list. Um, obviously, when you're first starting, you're not going to have a lot of money to hire out everything, mm -hmm. but try to hire out the things that um, you can earlier on. Mm -hmm. And that would be my main advice. What What about when it comes to leading other people? What surprised you perhaps the most as you've become a leader in hiring new employees? You're talking about, you know, you know you're taking care of other families as part of this business as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great question. Um, I, I think what surprised me the most is how much you have to trust your gut mm -hmm. and be willing to like, listen to that internal voice within your head saying, this is a good fit or this is in. Um, I think with leadership, there's a level of like, okay, there's a level of logic. Like this is what's going to you know, drive sales is what's going to make the most sense. And then there's a level of like emotion and that, that kind of gut instinct. And I think that we've really had to learn how to balance the two because um, we've made the decision early on that we were going to hire young, hungry individuals who are very talented, but may not have tons of experience in the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's been a personal decision for our company. I think that someone can come in saying, I've got 20 years experience or I know how to do this, but no one's going to know how to do your product or run your business. And so we've taken chances on young people and, you know, there's learning experiences that come with that. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all trying to figure out how we communicate, how we manage, how we lead. And um, I think it's just, yeah, learning how to balance those gut instincts and those gut feelings with that logic and the, um, okay, how do we help this person grow into what we, their potential mm -hmm. and then understanding when it's time to like let someone go or move on from that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's been a lot of learning, learning curves with that and learning experiences, but we're very grateful for the team that we have and um, the patience that they've had with us as we learn and grow and kind of figure out how we manage. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been really interesting. It is interesting. Leadership lessons learned. What would you say in terms of your greatest leadership lessons learned over the last few years? Um, I think kind of going back to what I was just saying, I think if you're going to be a leader, you need to be a friend. I think you need to be someone that um, your employees can connect with and that they, they, they respect and they can trust. And so um, I think just being patient with people and being kind and, um, trusting them as well like if you're going to be a leader you can't be just like trying to control everything someone is doing you have to trust them and trust the process and let them um, have autonomy in their department or in their job and I think that that has been um, a really big takeaway from me in learning my leadership style I'm I can be very controlling. I can be very, I'm very like, um, a very anxious person by nature. And so I like to have things 
in my um, window of control, my sphere of control. And so um, learning to let go and trust other people and let them take the reins mm-hmm. and propose ideas and um, create and be independent and then coming together collectively to make the big decisions and weigh in on how things are working and how things are going is is an important part of the process too. But yeah, I think that trust is a huge part of leadership. Yeah. Learning how to trust and then delegate. It sounded like that you can just yeah. relax and let, let some other people run the show. Yes, totally. Yeah. Learning how to delegate is huge. Yeah. It, so the journey has been fun, but there is ups and downs. How would you describe your ability to get up when the, when the downs arrive? Cause you kind of described, you know, your ups and downs kind of happen at the same time. How does yeah. your, how does your purpose sustain you in all that? And does purpose get you through those tough times? Because for me, that's what it is for me. When I'm having a tough day, purpose grounds me, purpose recenters me and keeps me going on yeah. a path that I know is important. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a, a good lesson to learn in life that you have to have a, a greater purpose, a greater vision. Um, I think that when we do have the downs or there's moments of like, oh, hey, today wasn't as great of a day as we thought it would be with sales or like, hey, that launch didn't go as well as we thought it would be or that employee's not performing the way that we thought they would be, whatever it is, um, you have to have that greater purpose. You know, you have to have that vision that those goals that you want to achieve because at the end of the day, you've got to say, okay, that was maybe not how, what we expected to happen or this is could have turned out differently, but tomorrow's a new day and we're going to attack it in a different light or we're going to um, rework things, pivot here a little bit and then um, keep going so that we can achieve that, that greater vision, that greater goal or our main purpose. Yeah, that's fantastic. What would you say your bigger purpose is then? Yeah, well, we kind of have a lot. I think that we have, um, it's it's kind of interesting. I think that from a product standpoint, you have our vision of we want to become the go-to brand for all things carry. So backpacks, bags, duffel bags, laptop cases, like that's kind of what we want to grow into over time. That won't happen overnight, obviously, but we really want to own that space of all things carry. And then our purpose inter- internally, probably more importantly than the products themselves that we're selling. And I would say, yeah, definitely more importantly is um, creating a culture that celebrates creativity and autonomy and gives our employees the freedom to do what they love. And, um, you know, every night I'm praying that we can reach our goals and that greater purpose so that our employees at the end of the day um, feel you know, happy to work here. They feel like they're being taken care of, that we are um, responsible in in some part for their happiness and their well-being because they're dependent on us for their their income, part of their lifestyle. You know, um, if they're here working and they're in the office for eight, nine hours a day, then I hope that when they're here at work, they're feeling happy and they're feeling um, productive and utilized to their fullest potential. So I think that that is one of the um, largest if not the largest overarching goal for our team is to create a a comfortable happy creative environment for our employees to work how how do you enable that so a lot of companies you talk about the same kind of things um, and some are better at achieving that than others so how do you guys foster that and how do you encourage that to occur so that uh, people do sense that hey i do feel the autonomy here i do feel like my i have worth here You, you mentioned you know hey our team likes working together. We're happy here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I would say that we do, we get along really well. We love our team. They're our family. Um, there are a couple things that we've done and implemented over the past um, couple years. And obviously this year's we've had to take a little bit of a pivot because we can't do as many things together as we once were able to like going out to a play or a show or going out to dinner. It's a little more difficult. Um, one thing that we do is we have a book club together as a team. So we read a book, two books every quarter with our team. And that's been a really great way to foster um, really good conversations about how we can change, how we can become better, what we can do um, at our company to become more unified. One of our favorite books that we read is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, and he's the CEO of um, Pixar. And he talks a lot of in that book about autonomy and um, creativity, obviously. And so we really try to um, push a lot of those concepts with our employees. Um, we try to do, like I said, outings with our team. Um, we, when we finish the book, we set um, reward the team members who finish the book. So um, I'm trying to think of a good one. Like if we read a book about storytelling and the power of storytelling, then we might go see a play all together mm-hmm. at the end of it and talk about, you know, the power of narratives and storytelling. So we try to do a lot of like team bonding um, activities. We have a skate ramp here in the office, which is like our symbol of like freedom and expression. And like you get out there and you make sure that you take time to um, take care of yourself mentally and physically. Um, Not everybody in the office skates, but like I said, it's kind of the symbol that that is. So if someone on our team wants to go on a hike in the morning, they are more than welcome to say, hey, guys, I'm going to be out this morning. I'm going on a hike or I'm going golfing or in the winter, um, you know, probably the majority of really good snow days, half the office is up on the slope skiing. And we try to do a lot by like providing ski passes or just providing things, not just that are like incentives or um, fun perks of working at Fred, but mm-hmm. things that will actually help the um, mental health and physical health and well-being of our employees. So that's a really big focus of ours. What, what do you say to those who are saying, wow, do these guys ever work? I mean, <laughs> do they ever get anything done? How I, 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 I agree. There's a lot of really creative companies that are doing a very flex schedule like you're describing. Yeah. So what yeah. kind of hours do you have? Are people working just all night? Because yeah. I've seen you post a few times really late at night on LinkedIn reflecting on yeah. how this is some hard work. We're still putting in a lot of hours to get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, that's something that we really push with our team at every team meeting and our employee handbook is that we're not going to tell you um, when you have to get your work done, but you are expected to get your work done. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of channels of communication. We use Monday.com. We use Slack. We have a group text message um, that we're very communicative over like, Hey, I'm not going to be in the office this morning, but you can Slack me. We say that you don't have to be um, like, in the office, but we do have work hours. So mm-hmm. unless you've like said, I'm going to be on a vacation or I'm taking this time off, like this is like dedicated time off to be with my family or to reset or refocus that people are still tuned in on Slack. They're still tuned in on Monday, answering emails, things like that. So that we're still um, connecting and communicating. And I think, you know, there's, there's definitely a balance of work and play. Um, but I think that if you are able to take care of yourself mentally and physically and um, all of those things and you're more productive and at work in the long run and kind of vice versa. So, 
um, yeah, we just really encourage our employees to get their work done and be in communication. And because I think that there will have to be some, you know, maybe different rules or different um, guidelines the um, larger our team becomes. Mm-hmm. But since we're still fairly small, it's um, worked, you know, fairly fairly good there's you know of course been some hiccups but we also really try to have consistent meetings consistent schedules where people know like okay every other you know we have two executive meetings every month that you're supposed to be and we have a weekly reporting meeting on monday where we're all touching base about things that we have to do i have a weekly um, marketing meeting with my team on monday so there's a lot of things going that hold the people hold our employees and our team accountable to the to-do list that they have yeah, no, it makes total sense. And so what let's let's pivot for a moment, if you will. What would be a message you would have for other female leaders, for women who want to get involved in entrepreneurship or just want to be involved at a leadership level? That's really a really great question. You're asking very good questions. I love this. Mm. Um, I think for women, I I was born and raised in a family where I was taught that I could do anything the guys did. I have two brothers. I'm in between two boys. I'm the only girl. And so my dad always kind of preached to me that I had to always be able to keep up with him. He was like, this is so silly. But he, um, he told me that I always like, whether it was snow skiing or water skiing or hiking or playing basketball, he was like, someday you're going to be with a guy like he's going to ask you on a date and he's going to ask you to go skiing and you better know how to ski. Like you are not going to be the girl that's like, no, I can't, I don't know how. So he, I, yeah, I was always pushed in my home to try my hardest, to be competitive, to um, work hard. And I would just echo the same sentiments. Like I really, I think that in today's world there, there's a lot of, narratives and sometimes they're negative about women and where they belong or what they should be utilized for but I think that we are capable of doing so many great things and I would just say try just get out there put your ideas out there don't be scared don't be shy like you have nothing to nothing to fear like I think that even if it if it's a failure if you learn from it then it's not a failure as long as you're learning and growing from the mistakes that you've made or the feedback you receive, whether it's negative or positive, um, you're going to become a better person in the end. So really there's nothing to lose. Like you might as well try. So I think just putting your best foot forward, um, trying new things, um, connecting and being present and in positions where you're able to connect and learn and engage with your community. I think are really great. There's, um, here in Utah and all over, there's some really great like women in e-commerce communities. Um, the Sago Awards is a local organization here in Utah that really gives women the platform they deserve to celebrate the successes of um, founders and, you know, executive level leadership mm-hmm. for women and um, getting involved with those things and um, giving if you want to make a difference as a woman, woman, the best thing you can do is just try and get out there and get involved because the more women that are doing those things, the more visibility we're going to have, the more funding we're going to get. Like, um, it just helps. Like if you have an idea, just start doing it. Just go for it. Just go for it. Were you guys self-funded? Uh, I know you did the Kickstarter. You raised your first 35,000. Yeah. Was there anything beyond that? Or did you have family that had to pitch in or during your lean times? Did How did you guys you know, how did you guys get this off the ground? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great question. We um, are completely bootstrapped. We have done a few couple Kickstarters to help get the funding, but we haven't taken on any outside like venture capital or anything. We have taken a few small like loans when we need um, to, up, you know, front the cost of inventory purchase orders for like the holiday season or something. And we've had a loan from my dad helped us for one of those, like we needed some inventory, but we were able to pay him back very quickly because it was, we needed the inventory, we sold the inventory and then we were able to pay him back. So we've been fortunate to have um, a little help from family and friends when we've needed it. But for the most part, it's just been um, just the businesses funding itself. We've been profitable from day one, which has been a huge blessing. Well, and it sounds to me like for listeners who are trying to learn something from this and what they could do, you don't have to have everything from the beginning. Like start small and don't overspend. Don't get beyond where you need to be. Don't take on a lot of unnecessary debt. And yeah, absolutely. Key to your success, right? Yeah. We, uh, my husband, the advice that he often gives people is um, don't swing for the fences. Like just try to get on base. Like every every base counts. And if you make it home, that's a point too. So um, I think a lot of people in today's world, it's easy to compare your your beginning to the companies like you see Chirvita who just sold for a hundred million, or you look at Apple or these big tech startups that are just have these crazy valuations, um, but they aren't profitable. Like they might have a huge valuation, but if they're not profitable, like there's a difference. So I think it's just, Focus on being profitable, on taking small steps and keep it really simple and, you know, run with the growth that you see. Like, don't try to hold, like, if you're seeing growth and momentum, don't be like, oh, well, that's, don't be scared of the growth. Like, don't, don't be scared of um, learning and stepping into that. But yeah, just start small and um, just really keep yourself focused and stay in your lane and head to the ground and get going. Any regrets? Um, no, I, you know, I mean, there's things that looking back hindsight 2020, you'd say, Oh, I wish we would have launched this product sooner. Or I wish that we would have outsourced fulfillment sooner. Like definitely there's little things, but overall, like I've said, they've all been learning experiences and I'm grateful that we, we did do production for a certain amount of time because I think it helped us understand the process more, help empathize with our suppliers when they're like, hey, this is backed up or there's been issues here. It's like, oh, well, we know exactly what that, you know, like how that goes. Like there's this different or fulfillment. I'm like, I know that there are hiccups with fulfillment because I've done that on my own for so long, for, you know, two years. And mm-hmm. now you're doing thousands of orders a day or whatever it is. Like I can see, you know, I think that it helps to have, have those, um, not regrets, but things that you wish would have been different. But if you've, like I said, a, a multiple times, if you can learn from your mistakes or things that you wish you would have done differently, then you don't really wish you would have done it different. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. I appreciate that. You know, for me, the thing is, is I hope, I hope again, people are really enjoying number one, your energy for what you do oh. and your passion for what you do. But the fact that there's very little regret. I mean, these are lessons learned, but I think what you're saying to me, I think is your biggest regret would have been not doing or not trying this business at all. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would have been a huge regret. My husband and I, when we were trying to decide what to do, he 
had a very easy in with his father's financial firm stepping in and taking over that. And he was also pursuing professional soccer and had some offers on the table there. So there were definitely other avenues that we could have pursued, but we, when it came down to it, it was like, we will regret not trying this now. Mm-hmm. Like it's only going to get harder once we have kids, once we, once we have a mortgage, like once we have a stable job and a, a salary and benefits, like it's only going to be harder to start something on our own. We didn't have any kids. We didn't have, I mean, we would have been fine eating cereal and PBJ for every meal. Like, um, so yeah, I think that that would have been the biggest regret. And I think that anyone right now who's listening who wants to start something, that will be your biggest regret is not just trying, not, not just, just like trying. at least putting yourself out there and um, seeing if your idea has has any runway. Mackenzie, I just love this this conversation with you. Thank you for that. What motivates you? Oh, of course. What keeps you in? The, what oh. what gets you excited about going forward? Because it sounds like you're selling more than ten wallets per day. Yeah, a little bit. Um, What motivates me? That's a great question. I, my family, obviously, Mm -hmm. I have two beautiful daughters, one three and a half and one's almost one year old, one year. So they motivate me. I want to be able to get to a point where I, as much as I love work and as much as my husband loves work, like our goal is to be able to spend as much time as we can and want with our family. Um, that's a huge motivator. I, my husband's a huge motivator for me. Um, he pushes me to work hard and to learn and grow. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of things. My team motivates me. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things, but all of those things combined make me want to get up and keep pushing and keep going. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I, if from your last LinkedIn post, it sounded like, or at least one of the last, um, your husband also motivated you to get that skate park. It didn't sound like it was, uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was, that was more him. I was like, not everyone in the office skates. Why do we need a skate park? But then a skate ramp. Um, but it's been really, it's been really great. And my daughter has fun on it. So uh, it looks and great. my goal, my goal is to learn to drop in on it by the end of the year. We're not really, I haven't come that far with that goal, but <laughs> I've still got about five months. It sounds fantastic. Mackenzie, thank you for taking the time today to share with us, you know, what it's like to be an entrepreneur out there just doing it. Oh, and I mean, it's, yeah, it's thank big. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been really fun. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my story and chatting. It's been a great conversation. I love it. Any last advice you'd take for for our listeners today to that they would just, if you were to summarize, you know, basically lessons learned or the things that we've talked about here today, that you just want people to remember this one thing, what would it be? Um, you know what? Your podcast is about principles and purpose. I think that just kind of summarizing everything I've said and what you the questions that you've asked is have a purpose. Um I think that that is what's going to get you up in every morning and get your team members up. And I am grateful that we've been blessed to be able to have such an amazing team. Um, we're very religious people. And so I feel, um, you know, constantly inspired by God and knowing that he is um, on our, he's in our C-suite, like he's there helping us out and rooting us, rooting for us and cheering us on. And I think that having an overall, you know, a purpose and, a reason for why you're doing what you're doing is going to make a huge difference at the end of the day. Mackenzie Bauer, co-founder and CMO of Thread Wallets. Thanks for being on the Purpose and Principles podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah, you too.